In this edition of Hoosology, Justin and Matt talk to the official DJ for the Milwaukee Bucks, DJ Shauna. This conversation goes into detail on how DJ Shauna went from basketball player into DJing for one of the top teams in the NBA. DJ Shauna discusses how she's able to keep the energy up during games with limited to no fans during the pandemic. Then the host discussed the sudden retirement of LaMarcus Aldridge and if injuries are really on the rise in the NBA. And now, DJ Shauna. She is the official DJ for the Milwaukee Bucks. We now walk, welcome excuse me, DJ Shauna onto Hoopsology. How's it going? Pretty great. Thanks for having me today, you two. So um, I've been personally looking forward to this interview. I have kind of dabbled into DJing a little bit just in the past, um, just uh, through my friend's weddings, but never gotten to it hardcore. And just seems like your job is like a fantasy job. It combines like my two loves, basketball and like music. So I'm really excited just to talk to you. But so first, um, I want to get into just your love of basketball overall. I understand you have a background playing in college and playing overseas. Can you just go over that in terms of just, you know, your childhood with a game of basketball and then just your um, playing experience as well? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, So I joke often about that I came out of the womb with a basketball in my hands and bless my mother's heart. I, um, I just, and, and I could never put it down. And I actually never had a basketball hoop in my house or at my house in my driveway. And so I was that kid that was like dribbling on the sidewalk constantly. And I grew up playing on the playgrounds and my brother um, is a very good businessman. And he started at a young age to hustle kids on the playground and um, he's okay at basketball, but he's not the greatest. And so it was, it was enjoyable, like taking the money out of kids socks, like beating these guys and and two on two and, and stuff like that. And having my brother brokered those deals but um, I was fortunate enough, you know, it carried me through high school. I was grateful to receive a scholarship from, from the University of Wisconsin. So I'm a Badger. I played at Wisconsin and I got to continue playing overseas professionally, which was just an absolute like dream come true and something that I was just really chasing after for a while. And um, I'm really proud to say, you know, that that I did it and I made it. And uh, I think I would still play basketball today if I could competitively, but as we get older, I think our bodies don't often uh, agree with our head and our heart sometimes. Can you walk us through how the process was in terms of becoming the DJ of the Milwaukee Bucks? This seems like that's not like a job you find on Indeed or ZipRecruiter. So let's kind of walk us through how, how you became the official DJ. Yeah, absolutely. I have actually been um and the I've been DJing for about 17 years, I think. And it started off as a hobby and just kind of continued as as my basketball career continued. I did it for fun, it, like supplemental income to be honest, and it was a really good way for me to hang out with my peers and uh, I just I loved I've always loved music. And so I think about five years ago, I started originally with Marquette University, which is like just down the block from me with women's basketball. And I was their official DJ and host. And coincidentally, that was my first season with the Milwaukee Bucks, just sort of doing support. So if you've been to honestly, probably any professional game, there kind of are DJs everywhere. So whether it's an official DJ in a field or a stadium or an arena, but then there's also DJs, you know, supporting, like if you come into um, you know, Lambo might have a DJ like in the concourse, similar to like we do with the with the Bucks, and that's where I started with the Bucks. I was like in the concourse, so if you as soon as you scanned your ticket, we were playing loud music to like set the vibe for the day. Like 
you're paying good money to come and see a basketball game, no matter what the team is doing, you're still, you're paying money and we wanted to provide value. We wanted to provide entertainment and wanted it to be an experience. And so that's where I started. And honestly, things just continue to sort of snowball for me, grateful, thankfully. And um, this is my, technically my second season. I know it's kind of goofy with, with um, the pandemic. So um Last season, which was 2019-2020, was my first season as the Bucks official DJ and producer. And then, obviously, things came to a halt in March. I went to the NBA bubble, where I was one of four DJs in Orlando, which was incredible to DJ for 22 NBA teams. And then came back and started this season. And it's just, it's been a wild ride. So I'm, I'm extremely grateful. Like you said, it's not a job that I've ever seen a posting for, but it just kind of continued to evolve as as um, sort of my career did. What was it like DJing in the in the bubble? I mean, just in that kind of um, this small experience. I mean, and also you're DJing for all these different teams too. So I'm sure as the official DJ for the Bucks, you have a vested interest in in your team. But now you're just kind of like impartial. So yeah. how was that? Incredible, to be honest. I was I was first of all, I was so grateful to the NBA and the Bucks for allowing me that opportunity to work and to be safe and stay healthy. Um, it was like you said there's like 1200 of us total, including players. And it was just a, such a surreal once in a lifetime experience that I just don't think I'm ever going to be able to forget any of those memories. And so I, I think, you know, I, I obviously I love the bucks. I have an invested interest in the Milwaukee bucks, but when you tell me that I get to be the DJ for the Lakers or the, or the heat, even anybody in the Eastern conference, it was just such an honor again, to be one of four DJs and to hopefully pay homage to you know, the DJs that weren't able to work and to, to do them justice and to be able to be there, I really bought into it and I really enjoyed it. And, um, to be a part of, again, the player experience and to hopefully have added value to their time in Orlando, it, it's just something that I, I cherish very much. And I'm, I'm really grateful for. Shauna, what, just um, to expand on on the bubble, because we haven't talked to too many people who were actually inside that bubble. What was your experience like compared to the players? Like, were you regularly tested there as well, being on on the site? What was that like? Yeah, it was it was just that we landed and day one we started testing right away, and we were at an off um, out of the bubble. I guess if you we were at a different hotel for the first like twenty four to thirty six hours. We like I said, we started. Um, kind of got our feet on the ground and organized. And then they transferred all of us to um, Coronado Springs, where where I lived for the next three months. And we quarantined for seven days in a hotel room. And so it's crazy how the pandemic has evolved and, you know, the things that we've learned in different organizations and how they've gone about things. But the NBA just did not mess around when it came to health and safety for everybody top to bottom. And so we were all tested daily, um, as well as like a health sort of check in in the morning that we were responsible for. And um, it, it just, it was really cool. We wore masks all the time, to be honest, like unless we were alone in our rooms or actively eating. Um, but it was, it was everything kind of, you know, the guidelines that we've been hearing for the last year and we have abided by it. And I don't have to knock on wood anymore, but we came out of that with a champion and zero like positive COVID tests, which is just incredible. I think at the, when you look at the time, because it's just going to be such a, a cool moment in history that I've been a part of. And um, it was um, an unbelievable learning experience, but you look back to like the enormity of it is you I feel like I'm still sort of processing that. 
for sure. hundred percent unique as, as far as that season right. goes, definitely. Yeah. Um, and how, how are things now comparatively in the 2020, 2021 season? Um, are, do you guys have um, much in-person attendance right now for Bucks games? Yeah, I wouldn't say much. We're at, I think it's 18% or 16. I know it's like 3,600 people. And so I can hear it. I can definitely feel a difference from coming from the bubble where it was 250 people in in a a, way, a very a gym essentially, not in an arena, um, to coming back to empty arena here in Milwaukee. And then when we slowly got to start phasing some people in, um, it, it, I think it adds value. Obviously, like you know, the, it's like psychology one on one. We play better, you know, when people are we know are watching and supporting us. So I think it definitely has has added value to um, my experience. And I can't speak for the players, but I would assume so. You know, to hear actual crowd noise and cheering and um, you know smack talking and everything, you can hear everything. That's the funny thing is like sometimes when that crowd noise is turned down, you can hear somebody talking during a free throw. And it's not just on the court, it's, you know, some fan across the way in the arena. And so it's been, um, I think, really good and it's hopeful. And that's what I think has been great is, um, again, following CDC guidelines as well as like local health and safety and making sure that everybody is, is following protocol and wearing a mask and doing their best to keep everybody six feet apart. And, um, you know, I'm excited to see how things progress. I know you know, ideally we're going to be back to what we know is normal, you know, in some capacity fans wise next season, hopefully. So I'm just, I'm, I'm continually impressed with how people are figuring out how to get through this while taking care of everybody's, you know, keeping everybody's well-being in mind. I think it's just, it's heavy stuff. Definitely. So you kind of answered it, but it sounds like the, the morale is starting to raise again by just people getting to be in attendance, uh, you know, at that limited capacity even. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. I think I, I mean, I will, won't forget the first day that we have fans back in the building. I, I like I start a set, like in-game prompts right away, especially when they're limited or no fans at all, because I think, you know, being a basketball player, I love the sound of basketball, but you have to fill an empty arena and you got to fill some space. And so like my defensive prompts early in the first quarter, especially are very simple and basic. And I remember the first day we had fans in there and I played literally just like a like boom, boom, like very simple. And all of a sudden I hear like people like responding, which is also very rare for an NBA game to have people start chanting defense on possession one, you know, when when so many games happen, you know, like really get down to it in the fourth quarter. And so it was just, it was really cool. Like you said, it's hopeful, it's inspiring. And just, it's just the, the baby steps that hopefully we can all continue to move forward. Absolutely. I wanted to ask you in terms of your process of picking the music what is that like, um, especially pre-pandemic for each player? And I think the NBA is more hip-hop focused, R&B focused. Do you have players that maybe don't really vibe with that? Or do you think kind of the, I don't know, the identity, the DNA of the league is more leaning on hip-hop, R&B music? Like, just take us through your selection process of just the music you have during the course of a game. Yeah, it's. Um, I think it's really interesting. And to be honest, what 
I have to often remind myself is that these players are also humans just like us. And so if you open your Spotify or your Apple music or however you decide to, to listen to music, it's probably going to be pretty eclectic. And the bubble honestly taught me that and had my heart and my eyes and my ears really open to it. And so, um, you know, I knew, I knew the heat loved country, Jimmy Butler and Myers Leonard's love country. When we had George Hill, George G loved country. And so I really have a lot of fun with that because I am an open format DJ. I love playing all kinds of different music. I love, I love that. I also love like having that impact on people that are going to hear music. And that's, I think one of the beautiful things about music is it brings people together. So I would say it leans heavy on hip hop and R and B, but there's always room for more. I love, I, I think I've gotten a lot of great feedback when it comes to like old school hip hop as well. And even like Motown and you start like stretching that. And so it's just, it's, um, I mean, and there's videos of Giannis like that have been viral of him singing One Direction. And so I just I I don't ever knock music personally. I don't I don't hate on any music. Um, I just I recognize it's it's like food. There's some type of food, certain types of food that aren't for everybody. But I like to be that DJ that tries to make people happy. And I I, I try to keep an open heart and an open mind when it comes to it. But um yeah, I would I would throw Afro beats in there though too. When you're talking about like hip hop, R and B, Afro beats, I feel like a lot of it has like that same vibe and same feel. Can you kind of explain to you detractors of, I guess, music being played during possessions? Because I was growing up watching basketball. That's just within the DNA of the NBA. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just so used to it. But I have heard complaints just from media members and stuff like that. That you know that may not be necessary. But I believe it adds some flavor to the game compared to other sports. They don't have that. So can you just explain why that's necessary? Just having music playing when you know whatever team's on offense. Why that's so important. Yeah, I don't know if I can answer why it's necessary. I do know that before I got into what I'm doing, there was an NBA game that they tried it like old school without music. And I think it flopped terribly. Like it did not go well. And I don't know the answer to that. I'm sure that, you know, everybody has a theory. But um, I also know, again, being fortunate enough to be in the bubble, I can speak on every different team had a different philosophy. I can tell you that the Boston Celtics didn't want instrumental beats. They were very programmed to like their organ sounds um, and then defensive prompts. And so for um, our Bucks games, it is in game. I have all like hip hop beats, whether they're like old school hip hop beats or, or, or like yesterday's top, you know, 100 hip hop beats. And so that's just how that sort of vibe is. But um I also know, again, every team and organization has a different philosophy on this. And for us, I know our guys love it like constantly. And I just, I don't, I think, you know, it's instrumentals as a basketball player. I worked out and we always have, I always had music on, so I can assimilate and identify with that and understand it. I, I respect people that, that don't necessarily maybe understand or get it, but those in-game beats aren't necessarily for the crowd. Those are, that's, that's for the players to just keep the game going. And I think for as much as we would love, again, I think the sounds of basketball are so beautiful. And, you know, like a perfect swish is like one of the greatest sounds ever. It's like right when the baseball like hits the sweet spot of the bat, like those, every sport has that sound. Um, But we also have to recognize 
things are often said on the court too that I think it helps mask as well, you know, a little bit, whether it's TV or in in real life. If you're, you know, if you're sitting closer, you might be privy to a little bit more of the conversations that are happening on the court. But I think there's a lot that goes into it. But I do think it is kind of the vibe and the energy that basketball that image portrays and um, music is so ingrained like you said in sport what has shot you um, this I know it's, you've only been the official um, DJ of the Bucks for like a short time especially with the pandemic and everything going on but what has surprised you overall that you didn't anticipate um, going into going into this but it really shot you that took you by surprise I think honestly the amount of music that I play during a game and my um, again, every team and organization has a different philosophy and goes about things. But I am um, personally am in charge of everything that you're going to hear auditory wise, unless it's a video. So that means, excuse me, pregame music, which I start sometimes like three hours before, depending upon how often guys will get out on the court to start their warm ups, all the way until we decide to turn music off at the end of the game. If that's one song, two songs, sometimes 15 minutes, if we have a presentation, like it just depends. And so um, I remember my first, it was just, it was an inner squad scrimmage. It was like a green and white scrimmage on the bucks. And I, it wasn't even a game. And I like my, Johnny Watson, who I work with directly at the Bucks, he was like, how'd it go? And I was like, this is so much music. And that wasn't, that was like scratching the surface on, especially I think um, we at the, like with FI serve and with the Bucks, we kind of pushed the limits on like how we do a lot. We like our games are like on 100 and it, it, it's an experience. And again, it it's just what we do. And so it's just like nonstop. It's definitely like an overstimulation sometimes, especially after a pandemic. But um, yeah, I think that was the biggest thing was just how much content I was really just like literally figuratively like pushing and putting out there. Shauna, the, maybe this is kind of a weird question, but as just kind of pulling back the curtain for us a little bit, the, that in-game, the the sound clips, the, the the music that you're playing is so interesting to me. And, you know, I, I think you made a great comparison earlier comparing it to food. And I think that could also be like in-game music could be kind of like salt in food, right? Like if, mm. if we have too much, then that's not going to be a great dish, et cetera. Do you have like a, a kind of process, like a, a certain number of tracks you're trying to play per quarter? Are you kind of just going with the flow of the game and i'm sure there's a huge element of that um because obviously you know in like fast break transition you you don't want to be having a ton of music during that time what is kind of the the general feel you try to go for no you're you're absolutely correct matt and i think sometimes being um a professional point guard i kind of get a better vibe of that you know you kind of feel the flow of the game if you will and there are times too that i think you know that you have to let it breathe um sometimes you know, it can get really sloppy and, you know, it's like two seconds and then all of a sudden we're back on defense and then we force a turnover and we come back on offense. And it's just like, you just kind of, sometimes you can't force it because I can't, I'm a, I'm human. And so there's also like, if all of a sudden I'm playing a defense beat and we're on offense, like it just doesn't feel right. And so sometimes I just have to let it breathe. You know, if we get a quick like transition bucket, like you're mentioning, mentioning, especially now that we have a few fans in the building, it's nice to like, let them naturally rise and carry into like that crazy thin dunk right now. Um, and so, and just let it happen. 
And I think that is also something that I've, I feel fortunate kind of, again, maybe knowing my having maybe a little bit higher basketball IQ than a normal DJ. Um, but it is something that I also take a lot of pride in. It's like, you just kind of got to let it happen sometimes because like you said, if I don't ever want it to feel off or awkward and, um, it, I, they don't want to force it. So I'm reading and reacting off of them for as much as like they're reading and reacting on offense and defense as well. For me, it's like a, it's my own little game. Shauna, can you just take us into what was it like um, just DJing in front of no fans? Because I saw your video online and you kept your energy was so high and yet they, they showed the arena and no one was there. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I was just like, how is she doing this? Like, because kudos you to know, you. Thank yeah. You. That was <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah. The video was just surreal. It was just the weirdest thing, just to see like empty seats, and then you know a competitive game, and then just limited reactions. So, <laughs> how are you just keeping that energy up? And like you said before, it must have been just a total breath of fresh air, even though the capacity is such at a low level. Still, any level of fans is, is better than nothing. So, how how was it first? Like that first game with no fans, was this a huge shock to the system, or you just were you were able to keep that energy up from game one? First of all, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, I, I know this might sound really silly and cliche, but I take my job pretty seriously. And so and that's and I, so I think I have one of the few jobs that um, I can't it, it like being an athlete. I can't bring my feelings across the lines. Right. And so if I had a crappy day or if I you know, like if something bad happens. Like I can't carry that. I can't come in and just play sad Drake songs because I'm sad. Um, and so I, I, do, I take that very seriously. Again, I, I respect so much, especially when there were no fans in the building, what these athletes were doing, having such a small understanding from my experience. So you, whether it was in the bubble or even here, because you look at this season and this is a season unlike any other again, we just got done talking about the bubble, which was like a season unlike any other. And so this season, like they're just grinding like the, the games and the, like, like some back to backs that they've been playing and, and then on the road and the travel, it's just, it's been a, a, a way different view and, and how previous seasons have been. And that's what I look at is like, I have a responsibility, like they're going to show up and I'm going to show up and I'm going to always be here for them. And, um, that's just how I look at it. And I just also too, I guess if you, you peel all that back, I got to be like one of 50 people in, in the arena to watch Giannis be an MVP, to watch LeBron be LeBron, to watch Jimmy Butler be Jimmy. Um, that's something that like, you just you shake your head and you just like, I'm so grateful. And I never, I didn't want to any, any moment, any minute, any game to just to go by without, like taking it in and i love basketball it felt like aau like summer camp it was so cool in orlando <laughs> what has been some of your favorites this bucks moment so far i'm just djing for them does anything stand out to you you know what i think without i i'll be very honest i miss them and i miss being a part I'm so fortunate because pre-pandemic, I was I did a lot for them and with them, um, whether it was their birthday parties or their kids' birthday parties or their baby showers or their hollow like they love Halloween parties. And so I miss that. I miss again when you look at I miss 
I miss being a part of a basketball team. And so when I get to be around them, there's just really nothing like it. And our guys are really like what you see is what you get. They're amazing humans. Their significant others are just incredible. And they're just, they love like to hang out with each other. And that's something that I, I miss. Um, and I, I just, I cherish very, very much. And I got a weird question for you, just because um, we live in Albuquerque, New Mexico, so we don't have any um, pro team here. And Matt and I have just been to summer leagues, but just watching this league pass and just kind of the the goofy things that they do during a timeout, I didn't realize <laughs> just just the weird um, just promotions and different stuff that happens during an NBA game that when you watch it on ESPN or TNT, you don't see. Yep. So has it been any of those weird moments that you've seen that's been like, why are they doing this during All a the timeout? Time. Yeah, All you can point out some examples of just the craziness you've seen we've done you know a hand washing cam since we've come back like we've we do a mask up cam we do oh the inflatable wacky waving tube guy cam <laughs> you know like the... <laughs> um yeah yeah, yeah. always and, sunny <laughs> yeah yeah exactly see and so uh that's funny um I think it's just, I think what's really fun is how much people are engaging right now with camps. So you talk about, again, less than 4,000 people in the arena and they're, they're responding and engaging. And I think, you know, it has such a huge part. We haven't done anything for a year. And so you get to see yourself up on the video board and, you know, people always have their phones out and kids love to dance and see themselves. It's so cool to just do that. And so it, it, I think it seems maybe weird from the outside, but it's so, I think it, it just warms my heart to like, that adds value to the game that adds value to the experience. Like, yeah, we went and saw Giannis and, and he had, you know, 47 points and Brooke was amazing. And he had six threes and I was up on the video board. And like, so that's part of the whole experience on being in the arena. And I think too, something that the Bucks has really instilled in me is like, how can we try to impact every single person in there? And that's, that's part of it. It's like, we just like to have fun and make people's day. And it, it sometimes might seem cheesy and corny, but it's sometimes that cheesy and corny stuff that we just need. You, know, you never know what happened before they got to the game. And hopefully under those masks, they're smiling. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, just, <laughs> it's something that I think, you know, fans that is watching on television nationally, not just not aware of, you know, just kind of interactivity. I'm um, just with the, the team and the fans itself. Um, I want to ask you kind of a, an NBA question in regards to the bucks. Now they, they're primed. I think a lot of fans are expecting them to be a contender to go to the NBA finals. What is that going to be like for you if they happen to make it to the NBA finals? Cause that's some next level stuff. And especially if, you know, fans are allowed to full capacity with the vaccinations. I mean, that's going to be such a, a monumental moment. I mean, the finals are, such a intense spectacle as on its own but add the fact that we haven't had fans in arenas i mean that's gonna be a double whammy so have you been thinking about that possibly not to jinx yourself you no. know, in terms of what's been going on but has it been a thought in your mind but being hey like you know this team could go to the finals and i could, I could be the dj like the finals like oh trust me <laughs> honestly yes absolutely and i was actually thinking about it while i was working out and lifting today and so it's it's um i try to be prepared for everything because I, admittedly i was not prepared for a pandemic so i tried to like really have some foresight and try to to think of like all the available options that could happen um and so djing for the finals in a bubble is probably very different than djing for a finals in your home arena with fans and I have not been able to do that yet. 
And so I do think, you know, when the Bucks happen to make the finals this season, it's going to be bonkers, no matter how many people are allowed in there. I just think it's going to be incredible. And um, as we continue to, you know, make strides as a country, I think with the vaccinations and getting closer to herd immunity, um, I just, I'm excited, you know, for the, for, it's hopeful. It's a, it's hopeful. Cause I miss, I miss festivals. I miss street festivals. I miss, I miss DJing for people in real life a lot. And I look forward to when we can get back to that. Yeah, me too. It seems like the, the lights at the end of the tunnel, just seeing a little bit of fans. I'm like, okay, finally, we're going to be, we're going to be out of this. Yep. Um, <laughs> for sure. Well, thank you for very much for coming on to the show. Thank um, you. Please let our listeners and um, viewers know where they can find you on social media. And also what else are you going to be up to, especially once this pandemic crap is over? Um, what, <laughs> what are you going to have lined up, you know, for the rest of this year? You have anything planned in terms of other um, DJing opportunities in the future? Thank you. So everything on social is DJ Shauna. It's my name, DJ S-H-A-W-N-A. I'm mostly on Instagram, Twitter. You can find me on Facebook, on my Facebook page, and that's my website as well. And um, I keep everything pretty up to date. I try to stay on top of it. And um, I I think the other question, what I have, I have my first song is coming out. I've produced a, a song. And so I'm really excited awesome. about that. The pandemic, I, I tried to some new stuff and that's been on on my list of things that I've been wanting to do. And so I don't have a date yet. We're still working on the final vocals on it, but I think we're getting every day. We just get one step closer. So um, that's something I'm really excited about. And, you know, I'm hoping that um, if things are continued, continue to go in the direction that they have been, like I said, with, with vaccinations, especially here in the state of Wisconsin, somehow we've been crushing this. Um, I hope that we can have, Summerfest, which is one of the world's largest music festivals, Pride Fest at some point. And I'm hoping to see people when it can be safe and we can get back out there and I can be a part of of things that I just love to do and hopefully help bring some joy back to what has just been an exhausting year for so many people on so many levels. Well, you mentioned before I let you go, you mentioned that you're producing a song. What has that been like? Um, I'm always interested in art. The- beats process um i'm like i'm a huge fan of you know timbaland swiss beats and yeah. i'm just curious like what what has that been like you know, you know actually creating your own songs compared to dj you mentioned that it's difficult is it? yes what, it's what's, very been, difficult. What's, what's been the toughest part you think you know i think it's it's learning something brand new and not being good at it i'll be very honest with you justin and so um you know i think as as an adult even we aren't how do I, I don't know what I necessarily want to say. It's, it's tough to learn something new and to put yourself out there makes it even more vulnerable. And so it's just, it's something I I wanted to stop talking about. And I really, I just wanted to do, and I'm grateful because I have an incredible support group. I have people that are teaching me. I've been taking classes and I just try to learn as much as I can absorb as much as I can, but then there's so much behind actually showing up and and putting some action behind it. And so that's the part I'm excited and really proud of is, is like the action. It's like, it's actually happening. Um, because then you just get a little bit of confidence and you just keep getting better. It's just, it's just, I'm a firm believer in the 10,000 hour theory. And right now I'm far from 10,000 hours in production, but, um, I think you have to start somewhere. For sure. I, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Thank you. Uh, we'll be keeping our eyes peeled when that track's coming out. Thank you. Uh, maybe um, following you on Spotify once it's, once it's on there. So I'm um, really looking forward to it. Thank you very much, DJ Shauna, for Thank joining you. Hoopsology. We really enjoyed the chat. I appreciate you both. Have a wonderful day. Stay safe and healthy. All right. You, you too. Thanks. Thanks. 
Justin, how's it going, man? Listeners, thank you as always for listening. Can you believe we are already approaching May here? Yeah, time flies. And as approaching May, that means we have our one-year anniversary of when we relaunched the, the podcast, formerly the Triple Double Podcast, now Hoopsology. And what a year it has been, man. I just want to personally thank you. And I totally uh, rebranding the show. Never thought we would have you know, these fancy graphics and uh, all these great guests. So it's, it's been an awesome year, man. Thank you. Likewise, man. Thank you so much for your your time and energy with this. And man, just for talking to me, this has been this has been really fun to look forward to every every week for me. And I hope if you guys are listening, you've been enjoying the conversations as well. For sure, um, we have a tease of a big announcement, so we will have some more information on that and when you'll be um, hearing about that. But I just want to take care of some housekeeping things real quickly. We have three interviews that will be appearing on our podcast feed and our YouTube channel. Um, we have DJ Shauna. She is the official DJ of the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, so check that out. That'll be coming. Um, if you're listening to the audio version, then you've already listened to the interview. Awesome chat with her. Uh, really insightful. And then if you're just watching the, the YouTube version of this, um, that should be uh, up on the feed already. So please go check that out. Um, then we have Chris Mahullen. Um, that's going to be coming on this Tuesday. He is a reporter for Nets Daily. Um, he basically breaks down everything concerning the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, we, we get into a lot just about like you know the Knicks versus um, the Nets, um, just how the players where they live at in terms of adapting to a new city, whether it's Brooklyn or New York. So that was a great conversation with him. And then we have um, Gina Paradiso. Um, she is the co-host of a great podcast and he was um, blanking on it real quickly but basically it's a podcast with Kendrick Perkins um, about basically sports betting specifically around the NBA um, it's called the Betting Academy Podcast Hoops Edition um, with Kendrick Perkins and again it's uh, Paradiso uh, Gina Paradiso so we had an awesome chat with her and really we delved into a lot Matt uh, we went into yeah. her history with you know ESPN her uh, this knowledge about sneakers sports betting nba top shot just everything so that's a great chat as well that's coming up this week and we have our nba last dance panel that will be we'll be taping that a week from today this sunday and then that'll be up next week and that will coincide with our announcement um that we'll have a little bit more information on at the end of the show and it will probably break the news at the last dance panel as well so that's gonna be a big big um, day for us this recording the panel will have guests of the show um just discussing basically one year ago we, we were talking about the last dance there was no sports any sports i mean it felt like that was the super bowl each and every week so we have a full panel just uh, reminiscing and reflecting on not only a documentary, but where I think sports culture, basketball culture has gone since then. So uh, I'm excited just to talk about it and just to reflect on this one year ago. Man, and who doesn't want to talk about 90s basketball? Any, <laughs> right. any chance you get, especially if you're yeah. like our age and older, man, 90s basketball, that's <laughs> where it's at. Yeah. And getting better and better as far as the talent goes. For sure. So let's not waste any time. Let's hop into the show, Matt, and let's get into your trending topics. Yes. So every week we do our trend review. Since we aren't giving you guys the daily blow by blow, we want to make sure we keep you in the know with what's going on around the leagues. So in let's start with the Eastern Conference. Um, in terms of 
teams that are trending up. We have the Celtics who badly needed this. They have won their last six games. They are sitting at fifth place in the East. And this is guys as of Sunday afternoon. So subject to change on some of these, we had a Nuggets uh, streak that was broken during the podcast. Justin, you were kind enough to let me know as we were recording. So Celtics have won their last six sitting fifth in the East. The Knicks have won their last five and they are sitting right behind the Celtics at sixth in the East. The Wizards, oh my goodness, the Wizards are on here. They have won their last four games. Russell Westbrook, by the way, has had seven straight triple doubles. We've heard this story before, but it's actually been translating to wins lately for the Wizards. And then at the top of the Eastern Conference and last that we'll mention on our trends up, the 76ers have won their last four games and they are still sitting pretty at the very top of the East. The Nets are a game back behind them at number two in the East. Trending down real quickly in the East, the Heat have lost their last three. They are playing the Nets as we speak. Kevin Durant, by the way, while we're on that, he went out with a thigh injury in the first quarter, about eight minutes into that game. Um, The Charlotte Hornets are also trending down in the East. So the Heat are sitting at seventh in the East. They've lost their last three. The Hornets are sitting at eighth, and they've lost their last four games. Moving on to the West. We don't have any really solid win streaks at this point in time. A lot of win streaks have been broken here. Um, But trending down, we have the Sacramento Kings who have lost their last nine. The Oklahoma City Thunder, let me try that again, have lost their last nine as well. So they're sitting at 12 and 13th respectively in the West. And then they're always showing up on this list now at this point. Full on tank mode. Now sitting at the bottom of the West, my Houston Rockets have lost their last five games. So... Uh, in other trends, uh, take a look at my notes here. Uh, mentioned Kevin Durant leaving with an apparent thigh injury. We still don't know how serious that injury is. If we get an update during the show, we'll let you guys know. But keep your eyes out for that. In other injury news, let's just get this out of the way. Donovan Mitchell was sidelined this week with an ankle injury. Thankfully, there was no structural damage found. And it looks like he will be out for about a week Um, And the Jazz are still sitting at the top of the West. So they're in okay shape right there. Um, uh, A much more sad injury, Jamal Murray. After I praised the Nuggets last week when we talked about potential contenders on the West to maybe dethrone the Lakers, uh, Jamal Murray tore his ACL this past week, early last week. I mean, pretty much almost right after we were done recording, Justin, it, it, it happened. And uh, so we can, I think, give an RIP to the Nuggets for this season. As far as being a title contender, they may still be able to make some noise in the first round as far as the playoffs go, but I don't think they're going to be in contention for a title without him as good as Aaron Gordon has looked in other kind of moving on to more weird news, more fringe news. Last night, the Spurs were fined 25000 for resting three of their players uh, in a game against the Suns yesterday, so on the 17th. The Timberwolves similarly were also fined $25,000 for, um, for resting 
um, one of their players um, during a game this past Thursday. And then to end on a positive note, Dwayne Wade, as many retired players I think will follow in this trend, Dwayne Wade has joined the Jazz Ownership Group, so he is now a part owner of the Utah Jazz and that's what I have for my trends. Justin, your thoughts? Um, not too much other than some of your streaking teams. I think the Celtics, they've won six in a row at the recording of this podcast. Huge victory over the Golden State Warriors, despite Steph Curry just being unconscious. <laughs> Man. Um, another shout out to the New York Knicks. They've won six in a row. And, you know, you know that's what Tom Thibodeau, We've no secret that he is a fantastic coach in this league and what he's been doing. And really, other than that, you know, I think so brutal when I heard about Jamal Murray, that that's awful. Yeah. Um, such heartbreaking. A, yeah. Very, very unfortunate injury, but that's kind of the nature of sports. And we'll, we'll discuss that later just with the injury concerns going on in the league. But just concerning Jamal Murray, this is just a horrible, horrible injury. Hopefully we, we wish for him to have a steady recovery, but I think the Dwayne Wade, um, just real quickly, and then we, I'll, I'll get your thoughts, Matt, that Dwayne Wade, him um, being part of the ownership of the Utah Jazz, unexpected, but very cool. I think Dwayne Wade has a name in this league, and if he were to stay with the Miami Heat, I think that would be the assumes the assumption that would be made. But him going to the Utah Jazz, you know, they they're experiencing a time of relevance with Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, but they are not a power team in the NBA. You never know. They won't want trades and, you know, they might want to be gone. And somebody with Dwayne Wade's caliber there, if he's truly involved with this team in terms of making some personnel decisions and just letting his star power, it could be a positive. Now it's been a negative with somebody like Michael Jordan. So that doesn't always work, but a team with the Utah jazz, that's not in the, um, minds of fans always if they don't have star players i think it's a good thing to see Dwayne wade involved i'm sorry man i cut you off no no no. you're good man um i i think it's a great move and i think the jazz are an interesting basketball team because you think of salt lake city and pro sports franchises that are there i mean you think of collegiate sports a lot of the times i think when when uh, you think about utah and the jazz are uniquely there they have a very unique and passionate fan base so i i think it is a great opportunity for him to be part of that ownership group and keep in mind that nothing is is in set in stone as far as these ownership deals go if he finds a better opportunity for himself that that he determines and he ends up in miami which you know just as a a basketball fan in general i I would love to see him there uh, in the heat ownership group but um but this looked like it must have been, you know, and, and like you said off air before we talked about this, Justin, I, I think we'll get more news as to why he maybe didn't make the choice to join the Miami Heat right now in in an ownership role. But for right now, if he determined that's the best move for him, that's great and, and gets his foot in the door, lets him see what that is like. And I think it's a great opportunity for him. I wanted to circle back to... Jamal Murray and another element to add to this story that I think is a really good point that I heard Bill Simmons bring up, you know, what is so devastating about this ACL injury in particular is the timing and when this happened, you know, with Markel Fultz 
having his injury, you know, back in the fall, I believe, if, if I'm not mistaken, he's going to be back at the start of the next NBA season, most likely, or maybe like a month or two into the NBA season. Whereas with Jamal Murray, he will be out until next spring. So it's, it's almost like it's, it's a two season type of injury, uh, which I, I think just adds a little more salt in the wound, so to speak, yeah. but well, you know, swift recovery and, and we'll see if, uh, you know, maybe he can be provided it's safe. Maybe he can be on a faster timeline. Well, spoiler, I think injuries are a part of sports. I mean, you saw sure. Steph, Steph Curry, I mean, playing against the Boston Celtics. He tweaked his ankle. That was a fluke. Tweaked his back a few weeks ago. Yeah, that mm-hmm. These are things happen in sports. I mean, these guys are high oh, yeah. caliber athletes. So in, injuries are going to happen. So I, I don't really understand the correlation. We'll break that down later. But um, I just think with Jamal Murray, it's just, you know, one of those things that's just a freak accident. Truly yeah. unfortunate. Um, if we can move on, let's get to some more, unfortunately, some more sad news. And that is with LaMarcus Aldridge um, announcing on Twitter um, this past Thursday that he is retiring from the NBA after experiencing an irregular heartbeat um, during his final experience with the team of the Brooklyn Nets. Um, here's a quote from him um, from ESPN. Quote, for 15 years, I put basketball first, and now it's time to put my health and family first. Aldridge is 35. Um, he experienced an irregular heartbeat during the Nets game against the Los Angeles Lakers um, last Saturday after his condition worsened. Um, he said, quote, the next morning I told the team what was going on and they were great getting me to the hospital. Though I'm better now, what I felt with my heart that night was still one of the most scariest things I've experienced. So just it's a horrible thing to have until Marcus Aldridge, something that you have your career ripped from you, not by choice. Uh, but by extenuating circumstances. And I think, you know, just to keep it positive, we can kind of reflect on, you know, his legacy. And maybe, you know, I don't know if it's premature to say maybe his Hall of Fame chances, but overall, um, what do you make of LaMarcus Aldridge's career? I mean, I have to be brutally honest, and um, I'll let you go, and then I'll respond to what you have to say, Matt. I think it's been a little bit of a disappointment, to be totally honest with you. Just the caliber of player he was – and what potential he had. Um, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Chicago drafted him. Is that correct? Or they're involved? Um, I have to like refresh my You're memory. Correct. But... Yep. First round, second pick, second overall in yeah. the 2006 NBA draft. I'm looking on basketball reference right now. So I, yeah. I remember that happening. And I was like, what is, why are they doing this? Yeah. And then um, I think the, the rights were traded. Um, to Portland Trailblazers. So he was there and he was a big part of building that team with Damian Lillard as well. It's Jim McCollum and it just couldn't work out in terms of just getting all those guys to mesh for a solid playoff run. There's such a bummer. Um, so, but I do think it, it's at least with the Greg Oden, I can say like, I don't think he would have been anything special to be completely honest. But Marcus Aldridge, really? I don't I, I just people just say, oh, he's he could be like this great, you know, Hall of Fame player. I'm like, I don't see it just with his injuries. But with Marcus Aldridge, I did see a lot of potential in him. And I think the reason why I say it is a disappointment because we saw flashes of just brilliance and what he can bring to a team. And just the way we're seeing Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum step up their level and for them to trade a Marcus Aldridge, I think it's just a huge warning sign. Not only that, but also with him. In San Antonio, remember with him and DeMar DeRozan, I'm like, okay, this is the new San Antonio Spurs. And 
we just haven't seen the the you know fruits of that trade of those, those signings. So what do you make of LaMarcus Aldridge's legacy? Am I being too harsh or is there something to that in terms of his overall playing career? No, I, I think you're right. I mean, first and foremost, you know, I would say about LaMarcus Aldridge that he had he was very skilled, very talented. Agreed. When, when you talk about like Greg Oden, I, I think that guy was a beast if he could have stayed healthy, but he didn't have the skill set that LaMarcus Aldridge had. LaMarcus fit better into modern day NBA. Even this current season, he was shooting 38% from the three-point line. He was not a three-point shooter when he came into the league. Almost kind of reminds me, sadly, someone else who had to end their career early due to medical (laughs) restrictions was Chris Bosh and Mm -hmm. how he developed that three-point shot and how versatile he was. LaMarcus Aldridge was kind of another one of those prototypes, you know, this power forward center kind of stretch five, if if you want to say it that way, Uh, though he certainly didn't play that way in his early career in Portland. But this is a guy who shot, let's see, I think 81% from the free throw line for his career. Yeah, which is very good for a big. So he had a great shooting touch. If you remember, I I think um, one of the playoff series when the Spurs were set against the Oklahoma City Thunder, one of the big talking points, one of the X factors of that series was how good is LaMarcus Aldridge going to be? How effective is he going to be at mid-range? Because he had such an effective mid-range shot. So almost kind of this connection to the old game, almost kind of like he was trying to fill in a Tim Duncan type of role. And we know Tim Duncan retired around that time that LaMarcus Aldridge came onto the Spurs. He was kind of seen as the next guy to carry the baton, so to speak, and lead the Spurs on. Sadly, Things just didn't work out there. I mean, we had the Kawhi drama. We had a lot of other stuff than just LaMarcus Aldridge on his own. Yeah. And it, it didn't pan out that way. So I think a very talented guy, it, their closest, his closest shot to a title, other than maybe this year if, if he would have stayed on, was that um, Portland team where if, if we would have seen Brandon Roy stay healthy, I think that Portland team really was uh, a title threat Um, You had like young Dame Lillard as well. There was a big collection of talent there in Portland that it just, it it didn't pan out for those guys. So it's kind of constant ups and downs like that. You know, I I think a very skilled, talented player, again, I'll I'll say talented rebounder, talented defender, but an offensive threat and a guy who could spread the floor, uh, especially his his later career as he developed an outside shot even yeah so um, I, i'm glad he gets out with his health you know agreed. i'm glad he made this decision of course that's that's his right to make that decision it sounds like it was the right call um and of course we hope him continued health he's 35 had a good long career yeah. um and made a lot of money so you know hopefully he and his family will be will be great some um, accolades, and if you want to add anything more to this, um, just let me know, Matt. Um, seven-time NBA All-Star, two-time NBA second team, three-time All-NBA third team, uh, NBA All-Rookie first team. Um, he was a McDonald's All-American uh, first team, All-Big 12. Um, he averaged about 19 points a game, about eight rebounds, um, two assists. 
um, and again played for the Portland Trail Blazers, San Antonio Spurs, and Brooklyn Nets. So I think you know, especially with different kinds of players, I think he'll get mentioned into the Hall of Fame discussion. I don't think he'll get in. This is my opinion, but I'm sure his name will pop is. up. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, you know how you know how it goes. I think he'll certainly get some love, but I don't think he'll get in. In my opinion, yeah, it's always hard to say because the NBA, it's it's easier to make it in there than than other Hall of Fames. But yeah. yeah, I I personally would not put him in as a Hall of Famer myself. But I I'm probably a little more harsh than than no. the NBA Hall of Fame voting system. No, uh, I think you we'll should see be. what happens. I I think. Uh, because he was such a talented scorer, he's going to be in the conversation. He, he's going to be in debates, I, I would guess. Um, but yeah. we'll see what happens. And, you know, people, people tend to, let's see, he's got 19,951 career points um, in 15 seasons of, of play. <laughs> that, that's tough, man. Because that's right on the border where if he had scored 50 more points as he would have this season, you know, then he's in the 20,000 point club. So, so maybe, maybe I'm wrong in being harsh. Maybe he's going to make it, you know, I'm going to have to pull up some other numbers and see how he compares to other power forwards. Yeah. The basketball hall of fame is, it's weird (laughs) because college is factored into it too. And along with like Olympics and other things. So, um, we'll have to wait and see how that plays out. Certainly a discussion we'll have in the future. Um, I got some breaking news, and it's concerning Dwayne Wade. Um, his role with Turner Sports, because he's also an analyst for TNT, not expected to change um, after he purchased a minority stake in the Utah Jazz, according to a network source. So um, he does the Tuesday broadcast um, for TNT, so he'll be there every week. According, similarly to Shaq, I think. Shaq owns a minority stake with the Sacramento Kings, and Shaq's there every week. So I think it'll be a, a similar deal in which I don't think you'll see too much of a difference in coverage. Awesome. So, um, if you don't mind, I want to move on, Matt, and you have the story on this, just regarding NBA injuries. And now there's <laughs> there's been a lot of this chatter around, around the league, you know, with Luca and Mark Cuban among like the play-in game in terms of, hey, like we're not down for this play-in tournament. And other players saying, you know, what's with these injuries? A lot of players are getting more hurt than normal. Um, but, Matt, you have some stats released by the NBA um, that says to the contrary that um, injuries are actually down this year as compared to years past. Yeah, so this is from the AP, Tim Reynolds from the AP reporting here. Uh, The NBA reports injuries are down 6% from the past five-year average uh, this season. So I think it's obvious the timing of this report coming out and and the league releasing this information is to kind of combat some of the narrative. Um, and, And I think we've seen a lot of star players some big names go down with injuries uh, this past season. I mean, right right now, off the top of my head, I mean, both LeBron James and AD have have been out for the Lakers. You know, so uh, so I think it's it's understandable that the perception from fans has been that injuries have been up. The NBA wanted to release some statistics to show uh, what the reality is. So that's where we're getting this. Going back to the report, we've had um, four. So NBA reports injuries are down 6%. We covered that, uh, and that's total injuries across the board. There have been four ACL tears this season, uh, one of those being Jamal Murray's, and that matches the per-season average of the last 10 years. 
uh, of the data that we have. And this is all in spite of teams playing an average 3.6 games per week this season, which is up 5% from last year, the last year of play. So games are more frequent, teams are playing more often, and yet, for whatever reason, uh, injuries are down. So I don't know, you know, these are these are small numbers, you know, these are less than 10% type of numbers, but they are, I guess, statistically significant numbers if we're looking at it. I, I think a lot of, just to give you my thought real quick, and, and then I want your perspective on this, of course, Justin, um, you know, so much of injuries in a in a sport like the NBA, and you alluded to this earlier um, with Jamal Murray, but so much of this is basically like a game of roulette. I, I don't know that we can expect to see really. I don't. I don't know. There are limitations on how we can control the frequency of injuries that are happening. I mean, certainly, yeah, I think if you go to extremes and if you had teams playing six games a week, then yeah, we're going to see a statistical difference with guys not legitimately not getting enough recovery time. But when you see a trend like this, you know, I I think it's a, a lucky and fortunate trend for the NBA, you know, of, of course, assuming having good faith that the NBA is reporting accurate statistics and that those statistics are broad. You know, I think it also is very fortunate for the NBA that in a season where the frequency of games is up, the injuries are actually slightly down. I I think that's fortunate and we'll see what happens for the rest of the year. Justin, please, your thoughts. Um, I want to add to the story real quick, and I'll give my thoughts. So Baxter Holmes of ESPN has comments from an anonymous NBA GM, I guess like two of them, um, and they have thoughts to the contrary of the AP News report. So I'll mm. pass it over to you um, wow. after I read this. So it says, quote, hands down, it's the worst schedule I've seen in 25 years in the league. Said one veteran assistant coach, it's utterly insane. One veteran head coach called it brutal. Added one NBA GM. I've never experienced anything like our injuries spate. Every dumb soft tissue injury that could happen is happening. It will only get worse. Um, the NBA GM said, we have defaulted into survival mode, said a second GM. So that's interesting because wow. you know how teams are. like They report every little injury. <laughs> so the stats don't bear that out. So I'll go with the NBA on this one. I mean, how many times do you guys go through the years of this players getting hurt on, you know, freak injuries? It, it happens. Right. I mean, like, as I mentioned before with Steph Curry, I mean, he could have that play where he rolled his ankle. He could have broken his ankle. I mean, no one was near him. And he was being double teamed the entire night, but that injury could have planted his foot and his ankle rolled. I mean, that's just a freak accident. That's sports. Mm-hmm. So I don't have anything too extensive to say other than like, I don't understand why people are freaking out. If the stats bear that out, if the, it was like 25%, 30%, then yeah, I'd be pointing to concern. And even then, this is a weird season. I mean, the circumstances are unlike any other in the history of mankind <laughs> with this pandemic. So it's not like their next NBA season is going to be like this in terms of what is happening. And also remember, this is a player's league. So Everything that the NBA may like, maybe in terms of the back-to-backs, um, other things that you may like with the schedule, the players are, are going to have a massive say into this. So 
ultimately, if they think these circumstances suck, um, they'll get their way and they'll get it changed. <laughs> so I, overall, I'm not too concerned. I think it's brutal what happened to Jamal Murray, what happened to Donovan Mitchell, hopefully Kevin Durant's okay, and what's happened to LeBron and Anthony Davis. It sucks. I mean, injuries are brutal. You never want to see that. Um, at the same time, I mean, I'm going to go with the stats, and I don't, I don't see anything peculiar um, as a result of this season. Um, as of anything – I think some things have actually been a positive in terms of not having to deal with fans, limiting their interactions, going outside, just focusing on just travel and playing basketball. I think that's a positive. But, you know, guys, they're going to get hurt. These are high-quality athletes. They're um, straining their bodies more than a normal human being. I mean, these are some of the most elite – all of them are the most elite athletes, you know, in basketball. So these things are – are prone to happen. So um, I'm not too concerned. I think it sucks to see about injury, but am I worried about the, about the rest of the season? No. Um, And I think next season, ultimately, if this is an issue, then I think it will be rectified next season and things will probably, will probably go back to normal. Spot on, man. And I I agree with a lot of what you said there. Actually, everything you said there. And I also, you know, just hearing the quotes that you mentioned sounds very emotionally charged and very um gosh i don't know like like there's an axe to grind there or something else going on there plus they're anonymous sources so i'm with you in that i i'm going to look at the data and make the judgment based off of that at the end of the day nobody wants anyone to get injured of course and in a perfect world but this is a very powerful explosive sport there's a lot of stop and go there's a lot of cutting these injuries happen across the board and at every level of athletics you know high school college pro they these things happen um i and i also just wanted to add that you know i i mentioned those fines that the timberwolves and that the spurs got this past week the spurs just yesterday for resting three players in that game do you think, and maybe this is rhetorical, but do you think the Spurs, do you think Popovich cares? Do you think the Spurs organization <laughs> cares that you, you find them 25,000? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. They they don't care. And I think if team, I, I definitely see, I, I agree that the NBA has a vested interest in the quality of the product. And I understand why they have the rules set that way. But at the end of the day, if it's a $25,000 fine, and if I'm legitimately worried that my star needs another rest or extra time, something like that beyond what the league policy guidelines are, which I don't have the policy guidelines in front of me, but I imagine that they are pretty reasonable. Let's be honest. Um, you know, I, I just don't see these teams really caring about dropping another 25000 to make sure that those players are rested and doing what they need to do. Yeah, they can care less. <laughs> Let's just be real. The, the end game is winning the title, and if they have to eat twenty five grand, who cares? So that'd be, that's a gladly uh, paying of a fine. So, uh, yeah, again, I don't see this as a huge deal. I think it's, it sucks, but I, you know... In terms of an epidemic, I don't. I mean, one, what is the league going to do about it? I mean, let's say there's something. Let's just say instead of sex, it was fifty percent. What the what 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 can what can happen to fix the situation, right? So, I just think with teams, they're going to do what they got to do. If if they're going if they want to sit, they'll um, 
take the consequences and they'll pay that fine. If they don't, they'll take their chances. Uh, we're kind of in the home stretch heading into the playing game. And we'll kind of go from there, but I don't see it ruining the enjoyment of these games or everything going on, or if this is a massive problem in the league. I just don't see it, especially the way these injuries are happening. And, you know, we'll, maybe we'll get some more information um, as time goes on, but I just don't see it as an issue. Yep, I'm with you, man. Uh, um, anything else you wanted to talk about before we wrap it up for this week? I think we're good, man. Um, guys, stay tuned to the feed to check out these these great interviews that we've had. It It's um, truly one, one of the joys of my week to look forward to talking to these these personalities and these experts in the sport of basketball and beyond. Um, it's It's been just a lot of fun. And uh, again, I'll iterate, if you guys particularly enjoy one of the interviews that you hear, please pay it forward for us and give a shout out to them on their Twitter handles on their social media that we're linking to. Uh, we want them to know that you enjoyed their perspective uh, as we are, certainly are. Agreed. Um, just, to, I mean, we could run down the guests we've had um, the founder of Ballas life, um, Rachel Galligan, Steph um, Soto, um, Isabel Gonzalez, um, everything from NBA top shot to, um, the University of New Mexico men's basketball team to um, the legacy of Elgin Baylor. Um, we have a huge library of interviews to listen to. But um, the date for our listeners and viewers to take hold is April 26th. That will be the day on YouTube, the last dance anniversary panel of Hoosology will premiere. And then if you wanted the audio slide to get a little bit of a sneak peek, um, the audio should be up that night. For you to check out so that will be our one-year anniversary of hoopsology our relaunch and we're going to have special guests um, that you might have heard um, through our archives this you know reflecting on everything concerning the last dance as i mentioned earlier so please go check that out and not to mention we'll have a couple of surprises too um, for that for that week not to mention a huge announcement as well so um, that's going to be stored i'm very excited looking forward to that man likewise yep lots of Lots of news to come, and of course, lots more content to come. Looking forward to it. So for Matt Thomas, I am Justin Goodham, and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening to Hoopsology. Peace.